0: Good morning, okay, my name is Bonnie, and I am honored to be up here this morning representing the teaching team. Um, this the first Sunday of a brand new year. Happy New Year, everyone, um, and thank you for being here. In the summer of 2006, I was in between my junior and senior year of college, and I was studying abroad in Greece, and we had a scheduled trip to Israel for 11 days in the middle of July, at the end of that semester. And on July 12th, Hezbollah conducted a cross-border attack on Israeli territory, beginning a conflict known as the 2006 Israel-Hezbollah War. And our group flew into Tel Aviv on July 14th, two days later. We were supposed to visit Tiberias on July 16th, However, we had gotten word that it had been bombed, so we were rerouted to Nazareth for the day. And then the next day, we found out that Nazareth, that rockets had been fired on Nazareth the night of the 16th after we'd already left. And the remainder of our trip would consist of redirections and alternate routes than the ones originally planned for us. during that trip, I have little to no recollection of any feeling of insecurity. Being there, being among all of the unrest and, and just the conflict, I felt very safe and protected, and I felt very focused on each individual place that we visited, which was beautiful, and you could read about it in my notes in my little moleskin. Um, but as I get older and as I think back on that more and more, I am more aware of the of the individuals that were charged with making the decisions in order to keep us protected. And that was a very that's just a very sobering feeling. Our text this morning comes from the second chapter of Matthew. And in it we encounter the wise men or the magi's search for and their joyful meeting with the Messiah. And then we have Joseph's obedience and we have tragedy and we encounter a series of redirections in order to protect the fulfillment of God's promise so we you pray with me Lord I pray for open minds and hearts for all of us I pray over hearts and minds that don't know you for those that don't trust you those that are searching for you, and for those that are expecting you. I pray at the very least for today that Jesus will be our focal point and that our eyes and our hearts will remain on him as our hope and restoration. Amen. So we've just walked through the season of Advent Right and the Christmas story and last week Ryan walked us through quite well I might add the genealogy of Jesus, and as we know Advent is a period of longing and anticipation and Christ is born and here we are on on January sixth, which is celebrated in the Christian faith as the Epiphany when when the wise men are um, when the wise men encountered Jesus. One of the meanings of Epiphany is a manifestation of a divine being, or the manifestation of Christ. Josh Leroy is a prison chaplain in North Carolina, and in one of his posts about the epiphany, uh, he wrote, We often equate an epiphany with a sudden flash of insight, but that understanding misses the tangible nature of a genuine epiphany. We experience an epiphany not only when we see things from a fresh perspective— but when we physically behold a reality that wasn't there just a moment ago. So during the season of Advent, we are longing for the birth of Jesus. And when we think of the Christmas story, it's easy to just close our eyes and see the manger full of visitors and animals and, and including the wise men in that, right? Right? But in this chapter, Matthew tells us so much more, not only the story of the wise men, but what's happening all around also during that time. And I'm hoping to be able to relay most of that to you today. So let's read. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. After assembling the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written this way by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." Then Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and look carefully for the child. When you find him, inform me so that I can go and worship him as well. After listening to the king, they left, and once again the star they saw when it rose led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. As they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure boxes and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back by another route to their own country. After they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to look for the child to kill him." Then they got up, then he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and went to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. In this way, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet was fulfilled. I called my son out of Egypt. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became enraged. He sent men to kill all the children in Bethlehem and throughout the surrounding region from the age two and under, according to the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud wailing, Rachel weeping for her children, and she did not want to be comforted because they were gone. After Herod had died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. So he got up and took the child and his mother and returned to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. After being warned in a dream... He went to the regions of Galilee. He came to a town called Nazareth and lived there. Then what had been spoken by the prophets was fulfilled, that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. So, to give some brief history that I learned more and more as I studied this, the wise men or the magi were astrologers. They were experts of, of the stars. They knew what to look for in the stars, and they knew what the star meant. And they were most likely priests, but they, the point here is that they were not Jews. Yet they sought out this king of the Jews. And when they saw the guiding star, they followed it, and they shouted joyfully. And, and when they found Jesus, they, they bowed down and worshipped him, this king of the Jews. Yet they were not Jews. In one commentary, it says, Matthew 2 uses the Magi to highlight the universal importance of the advent of the Messiah. Even priests of other religions were quick to seek him out. No place or people, whether Greek, Egyptian, Samaritan, Roman, Edomite, or Persian, was outside the story or beyond the influence of the young Messiah and King. And another commentary brings up the point that Matthew probably draws so much attention to the wise men to emphasize Gentile inclusion, that Jesus was born king of the Jews, but Gentile women show up in his genealogy, and throughout Scripture, it's the Gentiles who are the first to worship at his feet. Now let's look at Herod and some of his background. He had been raised in a Jewish home but he had been granted reign over the Jews by Rome because of his allegiance to Rome. These men come to him asking, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? Not granted kingship, but born a king. So we see Herod's status threatened, right? And what happens when someone who is greedy and seeks power and wants nothing but, but power over the weak and the vulnerable, when their status is threatened, what happens inside of them? So not only do we see his status threatened, but the wise men are bringing gifts, right? Who, who do you bring gifts to? You bring gifts to a king. You bring gifts to the king. King Herod, or you pay taxes to Rome, or you you don't bring riches to a child. So as you can imagine, he's probably even more infuriated. And so we see his sense of insecurity and this threat turn into fear and jealousy and eventually turn into evil, evil deeds like this massacre that we can't overlook and we won't. So Herod summons all the chief priests and the experts of the law. And he asks them to tell him where the Christ was to be born. And notice how he calls him the Christ, which tells you that there's some sense, why else would he be so afraid if he didn't really believe that this was, that this was true? And they tell him in Bethlehem, according to the prophecy in Micah 5.2. So he sends the wise men to Bethlehem and tells them to return to him after they have found the child when they have found the child, not if, but when they have found the child, return to him so that Herod can go and worship him as well. So here we have the wise men and we have King Herod. We have two separate parties asking, where is the one born king of the Jews? Where is this Christ? However, we have two completely different motives. They're both two completely different parties, both searching for the same thing for two completely different reasons good and evil. And we are not foreign. This is not something that's foreign to us today, this good and evil. I mean, it's everywhere. There are plenty of people in this world who have so much evil in their hearts that they will do horrible things. People with ulterior motives. There's plenty of pain and suffering in this world, and there are a lot of people who are asking that same question, where's Christ, right? As we continue, the wise men finally meet, they find and they meet Jesus, and it's joyful, it is a joyful time, this fulfillment of prophecy, and they get to see it and behold it, and I can imagine how amazing that must have felt. And they worship him, they bow down and worship him, and they give him gifts, and then later they are warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And so they heed that warning, they obey right? And they are rerouted to take an alternate route back to their country. And this protects Jesus for a time. And when Herod realizes that these wise men are not coming back to tell him where this Jesus is, he, he realizes he's been outwitted. And I can kind of imagine that not only outwitted by these men, but he's probably thinking, I've just totally been had by God. And he was furious, and I would say even more fearful than he was before. And because of that fear, he ordered the killing of all children, two and under in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas. And this is is just evil. There's no denying that. And my heart wrenches when I think about it. But, again, this is another fulfillment of prophecy. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud wailing, Rachel weeping for her children, and she did not want to be comforted because they were gone. So after the wise men had left the house where they met Jesus, Joseph was warned in a dream about Herod's intentions and was told to get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. So here's his first rerouting, right? And to Egypt, nonetheless, where there's so much painful history for the Jews, yet it's supposed to be a place of refuge for this child and his family. How many, how many in here... Um, raise your hand if you love to be redirected. If you love it when plans change, no one. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, so, I want you to think about a time in your life when when plans have changed, and I know that we all have a lot of them. But just think about this, the the ones that kind of define you. Um, it could it could be big, you know, as big as a a job that you thought you had, that you were planning on taking, that fell through, or a move that you had been planning to make and it was changed unexpectedly, or even can be something as simple or seemingly simple, but not to some people, as you know, a route you were gonna take on a trip and you hit a detour or something redirects you an alternate route and it takes you twice as long or two extra hours and it's frustrating, right? It's okay that it's frustrating. But think about think about Joseph. Okay, you're told to take your family in the middle of the night and head to Egypt. Okay. What do we know about Joseph? He was a carpenter, right? What do we know about the carpentry business? What do you need? You need clients right? You need supplies, and you need a place to work. So you can't really be a nomadic carpenter, right? So how how do you make a living? How does Joseph pay for this journey to, to Egypt? And that's something I never really thought about. It's, it's when I read the story of the wise men, and, you know, Joseph takes his family to Egypt, and then back to Israel. I, I just think, oh, well, God did it. Like, he just did it. He does things, right? Well, he did, but how? Because, because right before this, these wise men came and visited and brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, gifts that were valuable enough to be currency to fund a trip, right? So, so this tells us about God's provision and God's timing, and that he was there before and he got them safely to Egypt. And when I was studying this, I wanted to, I really wanted to attach emo- emotions to Joseph. I wanted to know, I wanted to project. I wanted to know what, 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 were, what was going through his head. What questions did he have? What was he thinking in the middle of the night? Um, was he upset? Was he, did he just do it and, and not even think about it? How did he come to obey? But there's a reason Matthew doesn't give us all that. Aside from the fact that he's not inside Joseph's head, of course. But the point is the result, right? It's not how you got to this point. It's that he got to this point. He got up. He took his family. He said, okay. Because he's already been warned before. Or not warned. but, But he's already had an encounter with an angel before that said, do not be afraid. When Mary, when they found out Mary was going to give birth to Jesus, and so he has some some level of trust, I, I would hope, but he just he does it. He got up, he moved his family to Egypt, and this protected Jesus, and it fulfilled another prophecy, which was, "I called my son out of Egypt." And sometimes. We may have a tendency to think that if we listen to God and if we obey God, that everything will be okay, all will be well, and all will be peaceful. But obedience does not necessarily come without cost to ourselves or without cost to others, even the ones we love. In our teaching meeting this week, John brought up a point that I had n- not even thought about. And, I, and when I was reading this passage, I kept going back to the, the portion, the verse, where it was talking about the weeping and the loud wailing and just that heart-wrenching, the tragedy. And he, he said that the children who were killed were very likely family members of Joseph because Joseph was from there because they were in Bethlehem for the census. So they were likely family members of Joseph. So you can only imagine when we, hear, when we hear of tragedies around the world, it hurts and it's awful. But think about it being your own family members. That was something that I had not even connected. So with Joseph's obedience, we see Christ protected in order to fulfill God's promise, but then we also have a parallel of suffering. And I don't believe that faith in God and obedience to God means that we shouldn't weep with the Rachels of the world and that we shouldn't become infuriated with the Herods of the world and the evil or when something awful happens to good people. I don't believe that. So Joseph, Mary, and Jesus stayed in Egypt until Herod died. At which point, Joseph was warned again in another dream and told to get up and take his family back to the land of Israel. And what do we see? Joseph gets up, he gets up again. And he obeys, and he moves his family. So a question here is, where is God? where Where is the one born king of the Jews? Where is Jesus in our lives? Is he at the forefront? Is he the focal point for us? where, where We're looking straight ahead and we're in a position to see everything that he wants us to do so clearly? And are we allowing him to guide us, even if that means some redirection in life? Is he behind us so far and feeling so far away that you can't really get back? Or is he kind of over here in the periphery where we're allowing him to guide us sometimes or with us? Yeah, you can come. You can come with me and help me with this plan I have for my life. We all experience God in different ways. And if you don't know who Jesus is, or you aren't experiencing him, I believe that you can, and I have faith in that. We, we just have to be open, and we have to be willing to see, to hear, to feel his guidance. And he tells us to obey and to trust in what we've seen him do in Scripture, and what we've seen him do in the lives of others, and in what we've seen him do in our own lives, and to trust his promise. And as the worship team comes back up, I want us to stay focused on Jesus. Just anytime you feel like your mind is, is wandering, just, just focus on Jesus, come back to Jesus. This table we have up here is a representation of Jesus' life, his death, and the promises to us that God fulfills through his Savior, through, through our Savior, excuse me, that we can be free. We come to this table every single week, and all who are seeking Jesus are welcome. We don't dismiss by rose. Come as you are, come as you're able. We'll also take up an offering And during this time of reflection, I want you to think about the question that you saw earlier and that you discussed earlier. We have a sheet in the back with some notes that you can go and write down your thoughts of why Jesus? Why is it Jesus? Because Jesus is fill in the blank. Thank you so much for listening.